That's Kurt Vile doing Run, Run, Run on KRCL 90.9. You can find it on the new Velvet Underground tribute album, I'll Be Your Mirror. Ahead of that, eBay Hamilton wrapping up Afternoon Drive. If you miss a song, you can always check the playlist on our website, krcl.org, or our mobile app. Download the app in your app store. Then listen when you want, where you want. I'm Laura Jones, host of Radioactive, and tonight I'm turning the show over to Frankie Baines, poet, activist, advocate, founder of Utah Convos, a communal project that spent the last year providing support and tools for folks to step into the role of host and have critical conversations that create change and build safety in our communities. She's put together something that's part report, part audio memoir. Before we get started, though, I wanted to talk with her a bit about it. So we met up on Zoom earlier today. Here's that conversation. Hey, Frankie. Hey, Laura. So I'm excited to share your report on the last year in the life of Utah Convos this hour. I was really impressed by your mixture of approaches because it's part report. You're talking to folks who participated. You're also reflecting on the events. And you start out with a really strong experience in Utah of anti-blackness. And I'm just kind of curious, you went for it. Very personal. Why so brave? Because it's it's a tough space to be so public. Oh, thanks so much. I um, wanted to bring the truth into it. I think as um, a poet, you, you kind of lean into the truth. So when we were creating it, we've been working on this since about June. And Laura, thank you so much for just like your support with this project. Um, as I was listening, I knew that it would tie together with more truth, with more heart if I, you know, came personal. So I had to do that. So as folks will hear, you've been in Utah just a couple of years, and it's made an impact for you as a Black woman to come to one of the whitest states in the nation. But after a year of this Utah Combo's work, do you have some some hope for those conversations about race and anti-Blackness in our Beehive State? I do. I believe that, you know, just planting the seed can really create change. And even though it's a slow process, I just feel like we're got, we have our boots to the ground. We have our ears to the ground. We're actively engaged in it. And that feels really, really good. I know I talked to so many people in so many different areas. There's a lot of work to do, but I just think it's important just to be doing it, just to be active. We're going to talk about quite a bit in the next uh, 45 minutes or so about the event on Saturday at the Patagonia store in Salt Lake City. What are the hours again? 4 to 8 p.m. right there in Sugar House, where the mural is on at the Patagonia store. And the mural is an outgrowth, as you'll hear, folks, of the last year of Utah Convos. So stick around for all those details and how to register to be COVID safe to attend and talk to the artists, some folks involved, some groups working on those big issues in our community. Utah Convos coming up a year in review next on KRCL. New census data is out, and it's that once-in-a-decade time to redraw political boundaries. Find interactive tools and a schedule of public hearings online at uirc.utah.gov. KRCL, your community connection since 1979. All right, it's time to let Frankie loose. Frankie, you wanted to start with a song. Which one and why? I want you to be the DJ here on this. 
Okay, awesome. So um, we're opening up with Beautiful Mind. I feel like this um, project came from just a, a great place. It came from our hearts, our minds. It came from um, that space. And I think this song really does a good job of lifting up the, just the desire and striving of the Black community. And so it's by Ryan Lucas. He's an independent artist in the Los Angeles area. And it's just a fantastic song. I really like it. It's a beautiful mind on KRCL 90.9. I believe I can be everything, dreamer, achiever, the leader, everything. Beautiful life. Hi, I'm Frankie Baines, and you are listening to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9 FM. That was Ryan Lucas on the track Beautiful Mind featuring Bellu. I'm excited to bring you this segment that highlights a project that is dear to my heart. If you know me, you know that I've been in Utah for a little over two years. But about three weeks into moving, I had this awful experience that was this textbook case of anti-Blackness. It was a blizzard or this big snowstorm. I mean, I'm from California, so for me, it was a blizzard. I needed shelter and I needed to call a lift. I go inside a Burger King and while trying to call this lift, I get kicked out. Since then, I've had other experiences that have made Utah a challenging place to be as a black woman. So last year, at the onset of the racial uprising, right after George Floyd's murder, I was hurting. There was so much going on, and I wanted to do something. I reached out to friends and colleagues, and we began to explore and ask the question, what can healing look like in this moment? We worked together and we came up with the concept of Utah Conversations. We made it into a project that was designed to invite folks to have conversations in their home about anti-Blackness, to bring the change there. And it was geared to help us explore how we can heal in community. So I gotta give a shout out to the team of folks who helped build out the project. I reached out to Asia Washington, a community organizer and beautiful woman and friend. I reached out to Billy, who does wonderful work in our community. Hillary McDaniel, who works with Rock Camp. Jenica Davis Hockett, who does amazing work in Mill Creek and for racial justice. Erica Munson with Braver Angels. Esther Meroño Barrow, my woe and friend and partner in community organizing. We're currently working with Movement Building Medicine. Okay, y'all, I know this list is long, but there were so many good people. Liz DeBetta was part of the organizing team, who is a professor and theater artist and storyteller. Malijah Garfield, who does community conversation work with his project Let's um, Talk About It, and is the director of the Black um, Cultural Center at the U. June Hyatt, who does amazing work in our community, really centered around housing justice. Tim Brown, the executive director of the Tracy Aviary, and Ashley Finley, an incredible leader in our community. She's a poet, she's a doula, she's an all around wonderful woman. So this, this was the team of folks who came together and really helped build out this project and give it life. We held trainings for community members in the months of June and July, and we invited them to have three conversations in their homes. Folks held these conversations and attended our workshops. And so today you're gonna hear their voices. It's been a year since the project ensued and we're commemorating their work. But we're here to listen to this story, not just because a year has passed, 
I mean, after a year, it's always a great time to commemorate something, but also because a mural ensued because of the work. I'm gonna give a shout out to the Salt Lake City Patagonia store. They heard about the project and they wanted to do something to uplift it. They decided to go ahead and have some window art installed. And so they said, hey, let's do a mural of your project. And I was so honored and excited. So we worked and did a call for artists and Blondine John Packard applied for the project and she did something beautiful with her project. She listened to the recordings of the conversations of folks, the conversations that folks had. She listened to them and she came up with the theme of black joy and leadership. And she decided to draw actual folks in our community so when you drive by the Patagonia store on Highland, you're gonna see vibrant, beautiful faces. You're gonna see Betty Sawyer and Ashley Cleveland and many others, just Utah legends doing amazing work. And um, they were all, many of them were connected to the project and many of them are just leaders that are due to our heart. So we're gonna go ahead and dive in to this segment we're here to celebrate the installation of the mural. We're here to invite you to a celebration of the project. That celebration is being held on Saturday, September 18th from 4 to 8 p.m. at the Patagonia Salt Lake City store. You can go ahead and register at blackjoycelebration.splashthat.com. So we're here to invite you to that celebration this Saturday. And we're here to listen to the folks who held these conversations, learn more about the mural, and learn how this work has continued into this year. Again, my name is Frankie Baines. I'm a founding member of Utah Conversations, and you're listening to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9 FM. Let's start off by taking us back to May of 2020 during Salt Lake City's National Day of Protest. I woke up anxious. I got in the news of George Floyd's murder and I went to the Capitol. And this is what I heard. was hard um I was just feeling a lot of emotions that day it was a real real powerful moment um it was that moment of well this has always been happening y'all 
but it was also that moment of but can we do something it kind of gave me some hope so i'm going to open up with our first guest she's just an incredible organizer she's someone who keeps me inspired um just an awesome artist you'll hear her introduce herself and you'll hear her begin to share why this project at that moment and the impact it had for her. When I recorded this, I forgot to share that Brinley is a conversation host. So yeah, she held the conversations in her home with some of the folks that she organizes with. Uh, my name is Brinley Froelich and I'm a writer and organizer with the Cursory Utah. Yeah, so um, last summer I was freelance writing. I was underemployed and I was kind of putting my heart and soul into a lot of organizing work. So I was already connected to Astaire and you, Frankie and Billy through the People's Energy Movement. Um, so it kind of just felt like a natural kind of fit to join you for these Utah conversations when you put out the call for having trainers and having people get involved in this. So I, um, you know, was already doing a lot of work around prison abolition, which deals with a lot of racial justice and racial equity issues. Um, but I was hearing a lot from my friends and network coworkers, family members that people were kind of, it was an emergent moment and they were ready to have these conversations, but they weren't really sure how or in what spaces or how to kind of navigate the, different feelings they were processing as things started coming up. I think that's what we saw too. That was the void we were seeing. We know how important it is to put pressure on our officials and on our systems. And so we know that the protests are doing something really, really big, but we knew that like at the time, like there was this void of like figuring out how to wrestle with the conversations and like also try to help people deal with changing internally because like you might be forced to do something because of a law like so many of the civil rights laws that emerged but what happens when the kids comes into your classroom what happens when your daughter brings a person of color home or a black person home because we're dealing so directly with anti-blackness with these conversations so like what happens in our relationship in our interpersonal moments and so right. i was so grateful that people jumped on and wanted to have the conversations. What did you hope the conversations achieved? Um, I really hoped that it would kind of um, catalyze the energy from protests and turn into a more kind of like sustainable practice for people to learn how to show up. Uh, one of my favorite parts that I think that you really, you and all the other hosts emphasized was feeling things somatically, so feeling things in the body. So we're not just thinking about these things like in our minds, we're actually feeling them in our hearts and we're feeling them in our hands and we're feeling them in our guts. So kind of like processing all of those things through the body was really transformative for me. And I think a lot of other people too, because I think so often we just react in the mind and we don't really think about how this is being stored in our body and how it's being stored in other people's bodies as well. So I was kind of hoping that these, and I think they did in a lot of ways kind of fill in that gap of like, what do we do now that we've gone to the protest? Like what's next? Mm. So well, what voids do you see now? Last year that was a void and we, you know, got together to respond and we did that 10 week project and we hope it's had a, a lasting effect, but like, what, what what is present now? What what do you think is a need for a community that we have that we could be addressing? 
Um, I think a lot of energy has shifted um, from anger and um, grief and rage and all of the things that people were feeling last summer um, to now it feels like things are opening up again and I think people are ready to like socialize more. So like, I feel like their concentration has shifted more to like kind of a socializing rather than trying to like change society and like change systems and everything, um, which I don't think is necessarily a bad thing. I think um, as organizers, we just need to learn how to like work with that. Um, but I think for me, one of the biggest voids is that people just um, maybe aren't taking things as seriously as they were last summer and they feel like they've done the work now and it's over where I think that this is the kind of thing that's like a lifelong practice and that you're always going to be continuously having to educate yourself and practice with others and have awkward conversations and like get uncomfortable because we're not going to be able to change anything by just like keeping things to ourselves. She's just looking at me till they sent him down the canal. So deep, get deep, he probably here with me now. I can't breathe. I don't think I'll ever forget how I felt in that moment during 2020 when all that ensued and the, all the protests were unraveling. I felt so stuck, but I felt so grateful to be working with folks like Brinley, the conversation hosts, and all the folks who jumped on board. It was, it was just the kind of medicine and the healing that I needed in that moment. I'm so glad to have had Brinley on. She's always doing amazing work. You can follow her at Decarcerate Utah to look at um, their calendar of events or to just support her work and her organization. She's going to have an upcoming event that um, some folks that I'm working with in movement building medicine will be supporting for Halloween. So keep your eyes out and you can follow her on social and check out her work um, on her website. She closed mentioning that we've got to continuously educate ourselves. It's 2021 and I feel like we're getting a bit weary. There's some confusion running around about what racial justice work even looks like, but we've got to keep educating ourselves and we've got to stay at it. It's so important to help us build the future that we want to see. You're listening to 90.9 FM KRCL and this is Radioactive. I'm Frankie Baines, and I'm covering a story today of a project called Utah Conversations. I worked with folks, amazing folks in our community, to build up this project, and we're celebrating the fact that it's been a year since it ensued, and we're celebrating a mural installation that's at the Patagonia Salt Lake City outlet. This Saturday, September 18th, you can join us to celebrate the installation and learn more about the project. We just heard Brinley Froelich tell her story about participating as a conversation host. Now we're going to take a moment and listen to some of the recordings of the conversations the hosts held. We'll hear them answer the question, what would the world look like? What would it feel like? What would it smell like? If our communities were centered around care and love. I think the a community where everyone feels safe and is treated with love and kindness, no matter their identity or circumstances, would be just an ideal world. Um, I think we, yeah, we would be helping one another 
you know it would be a community where when there's a pandemic people aren't run rushing to the store to grab buy guns but i feel like there'd be as far as sound goes there would be a lot of talking and sharing curiosity and validation like there wouldn't be any assumed status quo because everyone would be allowed to be who they are. Therefore, no one would be trying to fit into some box. And that sounds great to me. It's a community where everyone's dignity and their sense of humanity are the highest priority. I do hear police sirens, but they sound different. I know this new siren means that people with mental illness are getting the help they need, that people who are unhoused are getting support where they need it on their own terms. We have camaraderie ship and um, just everyone looking out for each other. Uh, and I, including the environment, um, you know, when your community is really thriving, you're, you're choosing people over profits. That community is, um, it's, it's having forgiveness for and for each other uh, to be able to blunder but then keep working towards addressing harm that we're doing or that our, system, our systems are doing uh, especially when the harm is visited upon um, you know black and brown bodies who have been uh, marginalized so systematically and intentionally throughout you know the entire history of this country. I think about this a lot. Um, I think it would have to be a community where everybody has worked on themselves a little bit to sort of really understand why they need what they need. Um, it would be a community of humility and one that addresses how hurt people hurt people. Is full of grace for each other and for ourselves. I see this as a place where people have their basic needs being met um, because a lot of, you know, your own self-work has to start with meeting your basic needs. It's a lot easier to heal and to process trauma um, when you're sheltered, when you have food and water, healthy food and clean water and clean air, when your environment is like supportive, it's easier for you to go through that healing process. And so when I think about like the community, I think that we need to like kind of look at that in the same way where we're meeting each other's basic needs first so that people can have that support in order to process that growth. Yeah, it's a pretty sweet place. <laughs> I hope we can do it. It is a sweet place, and I don't know what else we have to do but to be working as a human race to be building that place. I mean, but the reality is that there's a lot of other priorities that are going on that people are focusing on out there, but back to Utah Combos. This is a great segue into um, the next guest that I'll highlight. So we decided to highlight Ashley Finley, who held a workshop for Utah Combos, and we interviewed her about a week ago. And this is a little bit about what she has to share, what the experience has been for her, and where we are a year later. 
Again, you're listening to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9 FM. My name is Frankie Baines, and today we're talking about Utah Conversations. So without further ado, I'm going to go ahead and jump into Ashley's segment. I want to go ahead and give her a proper and full introduction. She is a doula, a poet. She is a leader of Black Lives Matter, Salt Lake City. She is an incredible woman and friend, and I'm super excited to highlight her participation in Utah Convos and what she experienced as a Black woman. Um, I really had a great juicy conversation with her. We did a lot of unpacking and taking a look at what it's like as black women to do this type of work in our community. Just the weight and the the heaviness to do this work. And we touched on self-care. We touched on um, how there's a complexity and a nuance to holding space for folks who need to learn and setting our own boundaries for our own safety. Okay, now for real, for real, Here's Ashley Finley and um, enjoyed the conversation. Okay, so transitioning, did the project inform the work you're doing now and how or how not? Yeah, I think it made me a lot more patient. Um, It gave me a lot more compassion um, because, you know, as I mentioned uh, to you before, I was apprehensive, right, about like this idea of educating white folks right who before I would like you know when you get into little tiffs and stuff on social media just be like google is free and available for everybody honey she is your best friend right so is the library step on over (laughs) IWCA has a whole curriculum that just rolled out exactly go on their website literally you know um and I do still hold a part of that attitude and that idea but I think this conversation um helped me realize that like that some folks right because some of the folks in my group were people that were not necessarily my peers right like they were not millennials right they were they were much older right and so um that for some folks a conversation is a great starting point, right? And um, and the ability to feel safe in a conversation is a great starting point. That whole spirit of openness that she's talking about, that whole spirit of a conversation is sometimes just a good starting point. I mean, I think what I've learned during this process is that there's such a messiness to it. I've seen myself show up really wanting to step into that and still being so, so, so angry. So what I learned through this is that you just don't have to be perfect. Um, You just do your best. If there's moments where I can listen and have a conversation, I will. But sometimes there's moments where I can't. And that's okay, too. Um, But it's been a learning process and a growing process and a lot of growing pains to hold these conversations. And I'm just grateful for Ashley and her honesty. Um, we've got some more good stuff. Here she's gonna go ahead and talk about what's bothering her in uh, 2021. I'm tired. That's what's bothering me about racial justice is that I am a 30, I'm not even 32. I keep saying I'm 32, but I'll be 32 in, a, in like two months, right? I'm a 31 year old woman 
who is just exhausted. And I'm, um, it's getting increasingly hard to keep the energy, right? Like, so these days I find myself focusing so much on like the tangible kind of like medicine I can give my folks, right? Like the centering of joy, all of that, because part of me is just like, I can't, I can't do 2020 over again, right? Where I expended so much energy and let so much of myself get pulled out. And then it, and then it looks like, you know, a year later, I I understand the term growing pains, but a year later is like, some of us don't have the privilege to not go through growing pains, right? Um, that's what's bothering me. I want people to get truthful. I want people to get honest. You know, like it is, we cannot sustain. And the, the crazy thing about it, the upsetting thing about it is that Black folks, particularly because I'm speaking to my experience as a Black woman, but BIPOC, you know, globally have been burdened with the responsibility of trying to sustain in an unsustainable world. I'm, I'm sick of the willingness to be dishonest. This is where it gets good. She goes in and she elaborates on this honesty. Check it out. This idea that like, like racism, anti-Blackness, white supremacy only makes like, um, Black people miserable is a lie. And this is what I mean about getting honest, right? Like about this idea that like the system that has been created, right, to wipe us out is also wiping y'all out, right? Like, <laughs> like I'm sorry, but like climate change isn't just affecting Black, Indigenous people of color, right? Um you know, the plague of capitalism isn't just giving Black, Indigenous people of color high blood pressure and having us die at early ages, right? And like giving anxiety, depression, sleeplessness, hypertension, you know, all of that stuff. It's not just giving it to us, right? The system that was created is also hurting white people. And so this is what I mean about like getting honest, right? Like you can you can look the, and this is why going back to the workshop and the idea of like the conversations on anti-blackness right like you can look at george floyd you can look at brianna taylor and say man that was really terrible but that has nothing to do with me right because i wasn't the cop i wasn't the cop who shot them or kneeled on their neck right but are you the person right who's up upholding a system that is not only killing us but killing you mm-hmm. Have you ever worked, you know, a 60 hour week or whatever and felt like, man, I don't know how much longer I can do this. The migraines hurt. My body hurts. I feel sick. You know, has has that ever happened? Have you ever been outside and been like, wow, we're in a drought. It's so crazy that like I went to the lake the other day with my kids and the water levels are like... <laughs> so low that we're just like in mud the whole time and that's not fun that's miserable right the mosquitoes are miserable has that ever affected you if so 
then you need to be on this train too and really, really digging your heels in and doing the work. And that starts with things like being willing to have the conversation, being willing to teach your children the truth, being willing, really, sorry, willing to confront that uncle or that grandfather at the dinner table and tell them that what they are doing and saying is wrong. Did you hear that, y'all? She's telling the whole truth. I don't know how we're going to step into the world that those folks back in 2020 imagined unless we step into this type of honesty. So you just listened to Ashley Finley, who is a poet, a doula, a leader of Black Lives Matter, Salt Lake City. And she was a participant last year in Utah Conversations. We're here talking about Utah Conversations and we are talking about um, a mural installation that we'll be celebrating on Saturday. This is Radioactive on KRCL 90.9 FM, and I'm Frankie Baines. We're going to close Ashley's segment with where she's heading to now. So my work is taking me to a much softer and gentler place because as I told you, I am burnt out. I'm tired. Um, and I realized that in my younger years, my place in the, in the movement, in the work was, was the like the raw, raw, raw banging on the doors place, right? But now there's a new generation and they have so much energy and such a fire lit under them that I'm finding that my space for my nervous system <laughs> and the cortisol coursing through my veins is in a much more gentle um, form of work. It is always a whole experience whenever I talk to Ashley. So I was so glad that she had the time to come on. She's just a busy woman who does so much for our community and yeah, is taking time for her own healing and her own work. So I'm super grateful that she took the time to connect with us and just help us reflect and take a look back at what we experienced last year and to share where she's at now. You can follow Black Lives Matter Salt Lake City on BLMSLC on Instagram. Um, she shared that they're on um, a bit of a hiatus. They're doing some reorganization to just find work that really aligns, but you can still follow them and um, just stay updated with the work that they are doing. We're going to close this show with the opportunity to hear from the woman who created the mural will wrap it up with there another invitation to join us on saturday september 18th the mural celebration will be from 4 to 8 p.m the theme is celebrating black joy and we're going to hear from winter storm to close us out with a poem on black joy all right y'all let me go ahead and have us jump in and let's hear from the artist Again, thank you so much for listening. This is Radioactive on KRCL 90.9 FM, and my name is Frankie Baines. Pronouns are she, her. My name is Blondine Jean Packard. So I've been uh, drawing and painting for as long as I can remember. All of my siblings are artists, and much of what I know comes from observing them at work and the techniques they've taught me along the way. 
So Blondie's basically a part of a family like a Jackson 5 of artists. Several of her siblings have murals up. Um, she's an occupational therapist by trade, but has like she shared drawn all of her life. And it's really, really cool that um, this project came her way because it's not something that she's pursued full time like her siblings. But yeah, she's following in their footsteps and it's really cool. Within the last couple of years, my artwork has been figure drawings of Black women resting, meditating, and relaxing. I've always been drawn to seeing Black women at peace and comfortable with themselves mm -hmm. because it's a reminder for me to relax and to engage in self-care and to remember that I'm human and therefore needs rest. And so in that sense, I hope that it serves, my artwork serves as a gentle reminder for Black women for us to take breaks and to be compassionate with ourselves life journey her art is absolutely amazing you can follow her work and check her out on instagram at blonding art we're going to take a moment to get a little bit of a background about where blondine was when all the racial uprising ensues and just going to give a heads up that it gets a bit heavy to listen to so just a trigger warning what did the project mean to you once you got involved and what was your role? Mm. So going a little bit back, so you mentioned starting the project um, in light of George Floyd murder. Uh, so it was during that time that I, that I applied. It was shortly after Breonna Taylor's murder as well. Um, she, she was killed at 26. And um, during that time, I couldn't help but think about all of the countless other Black individuals murdered, like Ahmaud Arbery, who was 25 years old, murdered while jogging, Betty Jones, who was only 55 years old, murdered in her apartment by police officers, Trayvon Martin, murdered at 17, and even going back in history, Emmett Till, lynched at 14, and Elijah McClain, murdered at only 23. So I was thinking, our Black brothers and sisters and children are getting murdered. So for me, taking time to grieve was needed. So um, I was in the middle of graduate school at the University of Utah. I needed to find a way to step out of depression and anxiety. So I found that the best way for me to cope was to paint and draw more. So I did. What do you hope people experience when they see the mural, they drive by Sugar House and check it out? What do you hope people feel? Um, I, ho I hope they experience a lot of things. So I hope that my Black community feels peace and representation when they see it and that they feel a sense of unity and comfort. I also hope that this piece connects with people in a positive way uh, because murder is so ugly and it has a way of adulterating everything and everyone at some level of consciousness. So um, this mural is in direct opposition of anti-Blackness. And I hope that people experience that. Um, I also hope that people who come and see this mural are inspired to go to utahconvos.com and use guided questions from the website to have intimate conversations on anti-Blackness in their home. In essence, Frankie, I hope that the Salt Lake City community becomes a safer place for Black individuals 
and that the mural is one step closer to that, also with a clear understanding that we have a long way to go. I did not ask Blondine to put that plug to Utah Confos in there, but it's in there. And yes, we do have um, some conversation guides for y'all to use to hold these conversations. Next, I asked Blondine to describe the mural. And um, here's her going in and sharing what the mural looks like. Common themes that emerged are that are readily apparent are family, Black unity, togetherness, beauty, and a strong desire for safe spaces. You see and read quotes of individuals who are changers in the community. Um, you'll see people like Miss Betty Sawyer, who's an executive director of Project Success Coalition and the Juneteenth Freedom and Heritage Festival. You'll see Malijah Garfield, who's the inaugural director of the Black Cultural Center at the University of Utah. You'll see Yvonne, founder of Nangoma Africa and dancers of Nangoma Africa. You see Ashley Cleveland, who's the deputy chief of staff in Salt Lake City, and Brian and his daughter, who also took part in Utah Convos. So a lot of beautiful people. Mm-hmm. And um, I'm so grateful that the idea emerged to like have real people and have our actual community members. And I think that's had the project come alive. So now we're going to have a celebration on September 18th. Yes. And come and meet you and see the mural, eat food, enjoy yes. a wonderful conversation because the conversations must continue and be inspired by some art. We'll have an open mic to culminate the evening. That's September 18th at the Patagonia Salt Lake City Outlet from 4 to 8 p.m. So we hope that folks can make it. You can register at blackjoycelebration.splashthat.com. It was a whole treat to have that conversation. You just listened to artist Blondine Jean Packard talk about her experience um, drafting and creating the mural for the Utah Conversations Project. Thank you so much for listening. You're listening to KRCL. My name is Frankie Baines, and this is Radioactive. So we're going to go ahead and transition and close this segment with a poem. So many of the folks that spoke talked about the themes of Black joy and self-care that came up. And there's nothing more fitting than closing this piece with a poem from the Black Bold and Brilliant Project. The Utah Conversations partnered with KRCL and the Film Center with to create. We're going to hear Winter Storm close out with a poem. Check it out. Enjoy. And again, thank you for listening. This is KRCL Radioactive. And my name is Frankie Baines. So this is my version of Black Joy. Black Joy is the beginning. I added the semicolon because it's important to celebrate us always continuing on. Every morning, we deserve to, with an exclamation. The point is, since the proclamation, not a question should mark our magic. We wear smiles that light up darkness with resilience. It welcomes you in like an altar and says, come as you are with a genuine heart. Black joy is the message. I've heard for ages that black is strength. And I listened, I felt the connection, embodied the power like my blood was finally free. Like I have a dream will one day transform into our reality. Black joy has and always will be hope. Hope for every soul that love lives at the core. Love that does not harm is all that we've ever asked for. 
I think that statement deserved a second tour. Black joy has been and will remain hope that love dwells at one's core. It's all that we've ever asked for. Black joy keeps smiling through it all. It sounds like Granny's weary voice that always says, baby, I'm fine. Like it doesn't always put itself on the line. No sugarcoating. Black joy finds the blessing in every lesson. Black joy is and explains us. It's yours and it's mine. Today, I define my Black joy as putting self-care first this time getting all four key dimensions for our well-being in line. Black joy is managing the signs, feeling the physical while healing the emotional, the spiritual, the psychological obstacles manifesting in the mind. Black joy is a climb, for we will persevere now and every single time. Black joy is the importance within radical self-healing. Black joy is the deeper meaning. Yes, when we wake, we deserve to keep breathing. So there is no acceptable reason we shouldn't have the privilege to continue on experiencing this, our beautiful versions of Black joy. Thank you. That was Winter Storm performing her poem Black Joy. If you want to hear more of Winterstorm's amazing work, you can come to the Black Joy Celebration. She is a founder of the Utah Black Artists Collective, and they're holding an open mic that evening at the celebration. Again, that's Saturday, September 18th from 4 to 8 p.m. I want to thank you for taking the time to listen to this story and segment on Utah Conversations, a conversation series that ensued last year after the racial uprisings and murder of George Floyd. We covered where folks are now, what happened last year when folks held the conversations, and the fact that you can celebrate the culmination of that project at the Salt Lake City Patagonia store on Saturday. At the celebration, you're gonna have the opportunity to learn about how we're moving the work forward. One way we're moving the work forward is to raise funds for the work of the folks that were represented in the mural. So the folks that were in the mural do amazing work. We have Ngomi Africa, we have Curly Me, we have Project Success and Versatile Image. And so, We're selling prints of the mural to raise funds for those organizations. Come join, just support their work. We are asking that folks register for the event just to help us keep everything safe due to COVID. You can register for the event at blackjoycelebration.splashthat.com. Thank you all again for listening. I want to give a shout out to Laura Jones for all of her support in making this happen. I want to thank my guests for their interviews and thank all the participants of Utah Conversations and all the folks who helped make this project come alive. Thank y'all again for listening. My name is Frankie Baines. I'm the founder of the Utah Conversations Project. And you're listening to Radioactive on KRCL 90.9 FM. To close us out, I'm going to play a song from the Black, Bold, and Brilliant Summer Playlist. Now, I know, it's, it's almost fall, but it's not fall yet. So I'm still jamming to my summer jams. And if I were to play one song to close us out from that playlist, it's definitely going to be 
family affair by Sly Stone because making this project happen and putting it all together was definitely a family affair. Enjoy it, y'all. Again, thanks for listening and have a good night. Thank you.